If you have your Bible, I invite you to open with me to the book of 2 Timothy, whether you have a written copy or an electronic copy, 2 Timothy. Are you ready for Christmas? Got all your shopping done? Huh? No? Well, you got a week. Uh, Monisa and I Friday drove to Asheville. We attended a dinner and a concert with Phillips, Craig, and Dean at the Cove at the Billy Graham Training Center. And have one of the best uh, times worshiping Jesus I've had in, in years. There were times I just couldn't sing the songs. I was just so choked up, just touched by the Lord. But we had a good time worshiping. Then Friday, in contrast to that, I went with my beautiful bride to the outlets. We, we stopped at the outlets up in Asheville, and uh, there was one thing she wanted she couldn't find there, but we knew where it was, and so we came through Shelby and stopped at the outlets in Charlotte. I got a lot of brownie points yesterday and met some other church members up there, by the way. I won't tell you what they were buying because I don't want you know, ruin the surprise for their loved ones. But uh, So we got some shopping done and when we got home, we realized practically everything we bought yesterday was for ourselves, me and her. How do you like my Christmas socks? And this one came with it. I mean, so we, we had fun. We got to hang out together and... and uh, and, and we've got 95% of our shopping done. We're, we're, we're pretty, well, pretty well finished. You know, all of us every year invest time and money in buying gifts. And, you know, when I was a kid, we, we wrapped all of them uh, like these. Today, a lot of them are put in bags and so on, and, and I guess that's quicker and easier. Um, but we, we invest a lot of time in that, a lot of money, and we give gifts, and it, it expresses love. And, then, and sometimes we, we give gifts just because we know we're supposed to or we feel we're supposed to but uh, last Sunday even though you know the the weather was bad and uh, many of you weren't able to make it to church I asked last Sunday so I'll ask it again how many of you remember what you got for Christmas five years ago my point we invest a lot of time in this stuff and momentarily it it says I love you but the the long-term impact is not always very, very uh, significant. And that's why this month we're talking about gifts that last a lifetime. What can we give one another? What can we give other people that last more than just a few days, that last a lifetime? It doesn't break. It's not forgotten. And its impact is, is for life and, and also for eternity. And, and uh, those kind of gifts are different than these kind of gifts. Those kind of gifts take years to give. You don't give them just at one time. They take years as you, as you do certain things over and over and over consistently. But their influence, their, their impact, man, it, it, just, it just goes on and on and, and on. I um, have a couple of Bibles here, and I think in one service last Sunday I, I mentioned part of this. When, when I was a teenager, I became a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, our family was not Christian. We weren't religious. We weren't churched. So when I was a teenager, I gave my heart to Christ. Mom and Dad were still, they were not uh, believers. And uh, started going to church in October that year. And for Christmas, my mom, who was not a believer, this was her gift to me at Christmas. A big old family Bible. Now, I've never used this, Okay. But she wrote a note in here. Now, remember, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a teenager. It's dated December 25, 1973, and says, To our wonderful and darling son, 
whom we're very proud of, may you always continue in your Christian ways. Love, Dad, and Mom. Now, as I said, I've never used this Bible, but I will never get rid of this Bible because what she as an unbeliever did for me as a new believer was she affirmed me. As a mother, as, a, as parents, they affirm me. But they also affirm my faith, even though they didn't fully understand it. It wasn't their faith. They affirmed it. And that was a tremendous encouragement. And, and it said a lot to me, and so I still have that Bible. I keep it in my office. The kind of gifts I'm talking about this month are like that. They're not like this. They don't break. They don't wear out. They're not forgotten. These are the kind of gifts that affirm faith, that, that move people forward in their relationship with Jesus Christ and therefore has a tremendous ability to impact the quality of their life as well as their eternal destiny. Those kind of gifts are, are special. They're the most important gifts. And so last Sunday I, I said, Here, here's the mantra I want us to use this month as we think about these kind of gifts that last a lifetime. And so if you would, I want you to look at this and then, then say it with me. These, these are gifts that are, that are taught, not bought. Can you say that? But secondly, there are also gifts that are lived, look at that, not wrapped. Say that. And then finally, they are gifts that are given to be regifted because you pass it on to your kids, you want them to pass it on to their kids and pass it on to their kids. You want it to be handed down generation after generation after generation. Are you with me? Can you say that one? Now, Stan, let's say all three of these together because I want this to sink into us. This, these are the kind of gifts that last a lifetime. They matter. They matter more than anything you will put in a package like this. So are you ready? I want you to say these with me. Gifts that are taught, not bought. Gifts that are lived, not wrapped. Gifts that are given to be regifted. Thank you. Now, those will bless your family. Those will bless your children and your grandchildren. But, but what are they? What are those kind of gifts? Well, this month we're talking about three of them in particular. And last Sunday... The first one is, I called it a model to follow. It's the idea that, that one of the greatest gifts you can give your children and grandchildren is an example of authentic, genuine faith in Christ, a genuine relationship with Jesus that is changing your life, and it's, it's an example they can emulate. It's, it's an example that if they follow your example and become like you, you say, that's good. That's what I want. I'm happy. I'm proud of that. And, and, and to do that, you have to be that person first. And so one of the greatest things you can give your children is, is an example, a role model. And we looked at how Timothy, who was this young minister that traveled and preached and worked with the Apostle Paul, the first great missionary of the early church, how Timothy grew up in a home with a mother and grandmother. We saw that in, in, in the book of Timothy last week that had genuine, sincere faith and had been passed down to Timothy, he also followed that example and he had a genuine, sincere faith. And so that was the first gift. Today I want to talk about a second gift, a different one, and it's a foundation to build on. So 2 Timothy 
chapter 5, chapter 3 rather. And what we're talking about is being intentional at not only reading the Word of God, but living, living in obedience to the Word of God, the truth of God, as a follower of Jesus, showing your children and grandchildren how to do that, and being intentional in teaching them and, and giving them the wisdom of God's Word and instructing them in the practical aspects of how you live that. So I've told you ahead of time what the gift is. Now let's look at it in a little bit more specificity. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting with verse 14. Are you ready? All right, let's look at the Word of God. Paul's writing this to Timothy. And remember, this is near the end of Paul's life. So Paul soon is going to die, and Timothy will no longer have his mentor. And, and, and he's saying to Timothy in this chapter, there are people out there who are teaching crazy stuff, wrong stuff. Sounds like our culture, doesn't it? And there, there are people out there who will even persecute followers of Jesus. Sounds like our culture, doesn't it? He says, Timothy, however, look at verse 14. You, however, in spite of all that, Timothy, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And then he summarizes, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, so that, in order that, the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. And he says, Timothy, as you go through life, you right now are a person who believes. You have a, a confidence in the Lord and in the, the truth of his word. And for Timothy, that would have been the Old Testament. The New Testament not been putting all together yet. And so he says, you, you trust God and you have this confidence in the Word of God. And you, you learned it from childhood. And you know who taught you. It wasn't just Paul's mentoring relationship with him. It was also the fact that he had grown up with a mother and a grandmother who were sincere believers. And in the Jewish home, that's where the teaching started. So he had learned from his parents. He had learned in the home from his mother and, 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 and from his grandmother. And, and then there are others who had influenced him. And later in life, it was the Apostle Paul himself. He said, you're, conf you're convinced of all this stuff. You know, you know who you learned it from. And Timothy, you know what you learned. You learned the sacred writings. The sacred writings. This is not simply a book like other books. This is not simply a book of good sayings and good moral principles. These are sacred writings, meaning they are of God. They are from God. That's the reason he says in verse 16, all Scripture is inspired. Literally, it's God-breathed. It's as though God breathed it out and said, here it is. It's from Him. It's from the throne of heaven. So what you hold in your hand, while this may be paper, what it says is sacred. And Timothy, you know that. You know... You know the sacred writings. You know who you learned it from. And it was from childhood. And, 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 and Timothy, you understand that it's in the, this, this word of God, this truth of God, that people have the wisdom, the wisdom that can lead them to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, that can lead them to heaven and eternal life. Because you're not going to find that wisdom anywhere else. You know that it's in, in Scripture. It's in, it's, it's in God's Word. And this inspired sacred scripture is profitable. I love that word. It benefits us. There are good things that happen when we're passionate about the word of God, about not only knowing it, but living it. 
when we allow it to, to get inside of us and begin shaping us, there are, there are benefits, advantages, and he, and he says it profits us in, in, in terms of teaching so that we, we know what is true. Reproof. Every now and then God just needs to say, hey, hey, that's wrong. Stop it. Correction. Training in righteousness, not just what you're not supposed to do and what you are supposed to do, but how to do it. Verse 17, so that the man of God, the woman of God, the follower of Jesus Christ can be adequate, complete, mature. The Word, the word of God, this, these sacred writings are, are central to your development spiritually, central to your becoming a mature follower of Christ. That's simply not going to happen in your life if you consistently ignore and neglect His Word. Equipped for every good work. Prepared to be able to serve. Motivated to do what is good and what is right and what makes a difference in other people's lives, what advances the kingdom of God, the the cause of Christ. Equipped to, to be a righteous man, a righteous woman, one that pleases God. Many, many benefits the Scripture. And so I, I say again that the Scripture, these sacred writings are more than simply a book of inspiration and encouragement. That God's Word, when allowed to do its proper work within us, shapes us, directs us, guides us, motivates us, instructs us. And so a passion for the Word of God produces all of that. A confident believer, a, a, a competent believer, a consecrated believer, a child, of, a child who, who becomes a man of God, a, a child who becomes a woman of God. That's the, the outcomes. That's the result of allowing the Word of God to breathe within you. And through faith you trust it and you obey it. It shapes you. Now, is that not what we want all of our children and grandchildren to become? Hmm? Confident believers in Jesus competent believers in Jesus, consecrated followers of Jesus Christ. We want them to become a man of God, a woman of God. And, and, and the Word of God is central to that. Well, if that's what we want, then we need to have that passion for the truth of God in our own lives because I don't believe there's anything greater we can give our kids and our grandkids. And so here's the question. How do we do that? How do we give this kind of gift? Not, not, not this kind of gift, but how do we give faith-affirming, life-changing? How do we give those kind of gifts to our children <clears throat> and our, our grandchildren? Well, <clears throat> this, this passion for Christ and this passion for His Word. Well, we, we, we have to model it, just like we said last Sunday. It all starts with you being a model. Remember I mentioned the, uh, the book that we, many of us read a couple of years ago, Why They Stay, the big research project on children who grew up in church that as millennials stayed in church and did not abandon the church. What were some factors that they had in common that influenced them to stay in church? And one of the key factors was they grew up in a family where mom and dad were the real deal. 
where their faith was real. They, they were a model that the kids could emulate. It starts there. And it's not just that, hey, I love Jesus and I'm a, a spiritual person, but I, I'm so in love with Christ, I want to know what he says and how he thinks so that I can live in obedience to that. I can respond to him. And so I have a passion for his word and I'm modeling that for them. Remember, these kind of gifts, these kind of gifts are lived, not wrapped, taught, not bought. So if you want your kids to have that kind of passion for the truth of God, you need that passion for the truth of God first. You're the role model, the example, the one they uh, they emulate. Now, I, I did not get that from my parents. I mentioned I grew up in a non-believing home. My sister and I both became believers before our parents did. In fact, it was years after my mom became a believer before my dad ever did. But as a kid, mom had in the house, and you, some of you have heard me mention this before, but this is the actual Bible that was in the house when I was growing up, the only one. Now, I never saw anybody read it, but I knew where it was. And I, occasionally I would go and get it and, and try to read it and understand it. And like any book, I thought you started on the first page, so I would start Genesis chapter 1. And I'd get about uh, through about 10 or 11 chapters, get over through the flood, somewhere around there, and I'd usually stop. Because there was this interest in spiritual things, this interest in Jesus Christ within me. And you do know that your children, God places that there. And parents can nurture it or hinder it. It wasn't nurtured within me. You know, there was an opposition to it, but it wasn't nurtured. So I would take this Bible and I would read it. Now, when I became a believer as a teenager, this is the only Bible we had, the only Bible I had. So this is the Bible I took and started studying. So I'm 15 years old, and uh, I start reading the Bible. And in the back of it, I started making notes. Anytime I saw something in a verse that was a new learning, because I remember, I remember as a new believer feeling like a sponge soaking up stuff, Okay? A sponge soaking up the truth of God. And so I'd make all these notes in the back of it, and, and eventually I ran out of space, so I taped some uh, uh, paper and put more notes, and then I started. And, and so this is how I started before I got my own Bible. And, and I want you to know something. Mom and Dad, grown-ups, I want you to know something. Teenagers, teenagers can love Jesus Christ. Teenagers can have a passion for the Word of God. If you don't think they can, you will never teach one to do that. They can love the Lord. They can have a passion for His truth and a hunger for His Word. And listen, children, younger children can learn His Word. They can learn His truth and be shaped by it. And it's so much easier, so much easier when that takes place in a home where mom and dad are doing their part to give that gift to their kids. It's so much more likely to happen in a home when mom and dad say, I'm passionate about Christ and I'm passionate about the Word of God and I'm going to model that and I'm going to help my children develop that. It's so much easier for them. I mean, there's free will. You can't control everything. But boy, you increase the likelihood. So much easier. 
Timothy, Timothy. Think about Timothy. He learned the sacred writings, the scripture. He learned them from when? When church? Childhood. When he was young, literally, it's very young, almost an infant. And he learned them from whom? His mother and his grandmother. That can happen in a family if we're intentional about it. In the traditional Jewish home, children would begin memorizing the the Torah, the, the law of Moses. Not learning, memorizing when they were about age four or five. When they became 10 years old, rabbis and others would begin instructing them in interpretation of what they had spent those years memorizing. But until they reached age 10 and began receiving that formal instruction, the memorization and the learning all took place where? In the home. A few years ago, there were a few of us from our church who we were in London on a on a on a mission trip, looking uh, at the different areas of the city where we wanted to to work and maybe help with the church plant. And one day while there, we we were able to go inside a mosque, spend some time in conversation with the imam. But what I remember most about that afternoon. Is not what was said in the conversation with that imam. What I remember most was looking around this large, this large, uh, this large mosque. And by the way, 50% of London, England, is immigrant today. Muslim, Sikh, Hindus, and looking around this large mosque, and it's in an afternoon. I, I don't remember the exact time. Somewhere around three o'clock or so, four o'clock. And seeing hundreds, not 100, hundreds of little kids sitting on the floor with their legs crossed, chanting as they were memorizing the Koran. And every weekday afternoon when school was out, all of those little boys and girls would come to the mosque and begin memorizing. Traditional Jewish home, memorizing the Torah from the time they're little, learning the Word of God in the home. The book of Deuteronomy, when we rise up, when we lay down, talk about these things. Pin the Word of God all around the house. Teach, learn. Why do we not do something similar? Why are so many of us not intentional about helping our children and grandchildren know the Word of God, have a passion for the truth of God, and learn how to live out the revelation of Jesus Christ? Why do we put so much effort into training our children in practically everything else? And hope if they go to church one or two hours a week, they catch on. Parents, lay a foundation for your children. Don't leave it 
to them to find it on their own and do not ask the church to take your place. Now, there's some practical things you can do that I can do. Number one, here's something practical we can do. Turn to the Word of God for wisdom and for guidance in our own lives. Let me, let me ask you. When you need information, you need wisdom, you need help, where do you turn? If your car is not working, what do you do? You take it to a mechanic, right? If you want to learn how to cook something new, you get a cookbook or you watch something on television or you look at Pinterest and you get a recipe. You're sick, you see a doctor, nurse practitioner, somebody who knows more than you know. You get wisdom from there, right? What do you do when you need wisdom for how to live? Guidance for how to deal with an issue, a circumstance, a situation, a problem? You know what a lot of people do? We throw it out on Facebook. It's amazing how much stuff is put out on Facebook today. And we're getting all this input from all these people, many of whom are not very wise. We talk to a buddy. We talk to a co-worker. We talk to somebody in the neighborhood. Why, why, why do we not consistently turn to the one who created us and loves us more than anybody, knows us better than we know ourselves, and has good things in mind for us. Why do we not turn to the Lord and to his truth and to his word? Why do we turn everywhere else for guidance in life instead of the truth of Jesus Christ? And then we wonder as our kids are growing up, well, they listen to everybody and everything else instead of God and his word. Where do they see you and me turning? Where, where do they see us looking for, for guidance and instruction? Turn to his word daily. Let, let the word of God, listen, let God's word be your first stop every day. Read it, memorize it. Don't, don't allow the word of God to be your, your last stop don't, don't, don't allow the Word of God to be a, a last gasp. When nothing else has worked out, I'm going to turn to the church. I'm going to turn to God. I'm going to turn to Scripture. Don't allow the Word of God to be your stopgap, a temporary fix and, until things get better, and then you'll go back to just doing your own thing. Let it be your first stop consistently. Choose a, a Bible reading plan. I was talking to one of our older uh, brethren, Deacon Usher, and I'm, I love this guy. I've known him for 30-some years, proud of him. Two, about three, two years ago, he learned how to do text messaging. Really proud of him. Uh, David, I'm not going to tell him who you are, okay? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> he was telling me this morning he has a tablet, okay? He finally he got, he's got him a tablet. And the first app he downloaded was the Bible app. How many of you have the Bible app on your smartphone or tablet or whatever? How many of you have the Bible app? Raise your hand wave at me. All right. Do you know what, when you open up the, the Bible app, at the bottom of the page it says plans, and if you'll just click on plans, you can choose Bible reading plans because you're more likely to consistently read God's Word if you're following a reading plan. 
two at the bottom are two that I like. F260, which is an overview of all Scripture. It doesn't read every chapter of the Bible, but gives you an overview of the whole Bible. And then Foundations, New Testament, those are two really good ones. But there's many. There's, I've got one that I've downloaded on that app for marriage relationships. That's just a week-long reading plan. So have you a reading plan and get into the Word of God every day, and that app is a good way to do it. There's other ways, but that's just a suggestion. So number one, you've got to, you've got to turn to the Word of God yourself. Secondly, um, let, let, us, let us as a church, let us as a church family be your partner. Let us be your partner. Mom and dad, grandparents, let us, let us, let us be your partner. You see, as parents, listen, we as a church, we do not want to take your place. We want to come beside you and help you. Only you can do what God's given you to do. The role of the church is different than the role of mom and dad. The role of mom and dad is different than the role of the church. We each have a role to play. Let us be your partner. Don't ask us to take your place. Ask us to help you fulfill your duty as mom and dad. And so last Sunday, when you were leaving worship, we made available, as we did last year, this devotional for Christmas for this year. Just, this is just three devotions. It's a starting point for those of you who aren't very comfortable getting into the Word of God and having conversations. It's an easy starting point. And just have one devotion a week. So on your way out, get a copy for your family. This morning, the ushers will have those at the exit. Just a simple way we can help you. Another way, parents... And I know we'll have more parents in the next service, but grandparents. How many of you are grandparents in here? Raise your hand. All right. This can help you, particularly if your grandchildren go to church here. My, my grandchildren don't go to church here. They don't live in Rock Hill. But two of our grandchildren who live in Hanahan go to a church that uses the same curriculum we use, and so they can use the same app. And so I'm using this app. It's, uh, you see it there, the Parent Q app. And if you've never signed up, just go in there and put our church name, First Baptist Church, Rock Hill, or our zip code, 29730, and you'll get our plan. And so this morning, about 7 o'clock, I looked at the plan for this week. And so on the right, uh, Luke chapter 2, the, the, the Christmas story, and uh, I let it tell the story. That's what our kids are going to be looking at this morning here at First Baptist. And there's discussion questions. So if, if Liam, my 8-year-old grandson, was here and he came out of Sunday school this morning, I could have a conversation with him. Well, guess what? He goes to a church in North Charleston that does this, so if I get to talk to him this week, and by the way, I'll be seeing him Saturday, we can have a conversation about what happened to church today. Isn't that cool? But you've got to do your part. All we can do is help, come beside you, offer. Remember in Vision 21, one of the things we say is we want to provide resources that help families become stronger, help parents disciple their children. That's just two examples of how we're trying to do that. There are others, but I just wanted to give you those two. Now, one thing we introduced last Sunday that's new, I do want to talk about for just a minute because it's so important, is Screen Smarts. How many of you were here last Sunday? All right. We, I mean, I was blessed. I tell you, uh, I know the weather was bad, but it was amazing. We had, uh, we had about 350 people show up last Sunday for the two services. So praise God for that. Uh, but we introduced this Screen Smarts. We paid the registration for it, so it doesn't cost you anything. And this is to help parents be tech savvy. Because with, especially those of you with young children need to know how to have conversations with your kids about all this technology. 
about the use of smartphones and other things. And, and you need to know how to put protections in place. And you need to know what you're doing before you ever give them a device. And so you subscribe to that. You get an email every Monday. It takes you about five minutes to either read a blog post, an article, listen to a, a podcast, or watch a video blog. It takes about five minutes each week, and over the course of a year, 52 weeks, you will learn so much that will help you be more informed when it comes to technology and especially how to have conversations and help your children and your grandchildren with this. That's the registration page. And in your bulletin this morning on the insert is the login information for our church. This is proprietary, so you can't just go out and give it to everybody. We paid this license so we have access to it, everybody in our family of faith. But we want integrity, so don't go out and pass it off to everybody else, okay? Every school, church, group can buy their own license or an individual license. But this is for us. And so you can start whenever you want personalized to you. You can start today. You can start a week from now, a month from now, and it's all on your schedule. And you can do it again when you have a second child, third child, etc. And grandparents, what a way for you to be able to talk from a more informed position with your grandkids about some of this stuff. Once you go to school for the next 52 weeks and learn some things that can help you mentor and influence your grandchildren. Does that sound like a good thing to do? And this is so simple. Five minutes a week won't cost you a dime. Well, let me wrap this up. What are we saying? We're going to spend a lot of money, some more than others, on these things. Many of us in this room are going to go to multiple stores or we're going to work the UPS guy's death delivering everything from Amazon, which, as I told you last week, one out of three gifts purchased online or returned. So pray for the UPS guys, FedEx guys. They're working themselves crazy this month. We're going to spend a lot of time and a lot of energy in there. I'm asking you this month to think about the gifts you're giving your children and grandchildren that are more important than all of those. To be an example, to be a role model of what it means to be a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, an obedient follower of Jesus Christ, to be a role model of what it means to, to have a passion for the truth of God and the Word of God and to live that out. When I started um, using the F260 reading plan um, a couple months ago, I started in Genesis. And of course, I was reading the story of. Abraham making his way to the promised land, his journey. And parallel to that, if you want to, there are verses you can memorize as part of the reading plan. And, and early on, those verses were from Hebrews 11. And, 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 and in verse 8 says, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a land which he was to receive as, as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he lived as, a, as an alien in the land of promise, as, as in a, a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise because he was looking for the city which has foundations whose architect and builder is God. And as I was reading Abraham's story, memorizing those verses, I remembered, I remembered 34 years ago when I was much younger than I am now. And God was moving us from our home in Kentucky to Sumter, South Carolina, and I was very, very hesitant. 
In fact, Bill Mackey, my mentor, was afraid I was just—I was going to say no and not take that step of faith. That's how hesitant I was. But I can still remember reading in Genesis and Hebrews these same passages about Abraham moving by faith simply because God was saying go. To a land which he was to receive as an inheritance, he went out not knowing where he was going. But, it, but it, that verse begins, by faith he obeyed. And I, I was reminded just reading through Scripture of that, that important lesson that obeying when God speaks, even if we don't know how it's all going to turn out, is good. Because God has a plan. So when you, when you get into the Word of God, when you get what you need, when you get into the Word of God, you get what God knows you need. But if you ignore His Word and neglect it, you miss all of it. And guess what? You miss being able to pass it on to your kids. And your grandkids. I'm saying, brothers and sisters, those kind of gifts are more important than all of these. So what are you going to give your loved ones this morning? Are they going to see you serving Jesus, loving Jesus? Are they going to see you making a decision based on his truth? Are they going to see you reading his word, loving his word? What gift are you giving your loved ones this month? Let's stand. As the musicians lead us in singing this hymn of invitation, God is drawing you to himself. The Holy Spirit has been speaking all morning to our hearts and minds. You hear his voice. You know what he's asking, what he's saying. During this time of singing and worship, Your response, your part, is to obey. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a land. When God speaks, our part is always to first hear and then secondly do. And so I'm asking you to make your way to the altar and get on your knees before the Lord and say, Lord, here's what you're asking, here's what I'm doing. Here's my response. Brother Jamie and I will be here at the front if you'd like to join First Baptist Church. We invite you to come. For some of you, that's a step of obedience you need to take. Set an example for your kids that say the church matters. The local church is valuable. Some of you have accepted Christ, but you've never been baptized. You need to come and ask for baptism to say to the world as well as your family, I'm publicly committed to Jesus. I'm I'm not going halfway. I'm going all the way. And there are some in this room, you've heard Jesus speaking to you about a relationship with him. You don't have one. You believe he's real, but you don't have a relationship with him. He wants a relationship with you. And in your heart, somewhere you want one with him. So I'm asking you to come to me or Jamie and say, Pastor, today... I want this relationship with Christ. I want to be one of his disciples, one of his followers, and give my life to him. Let's sing together. You come as we sing.